Contempt. The epic clash between the president and the Congress. Who wins? Who loses? What's the end game? And does anybody outside the Beltway really care? The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. I'm joined by the E, John Easton, and the B, Adam Belmar. Adam, what do you got here? Well, you know, if you look uh, on Amazon for the Mueller report, there are so many books. We have bought them because it's important. It's almost like the Constitution of the Bible. Everyone should have a copy. And uh, here are three copies of the thing. You got Dershowitz copy. You got the uh, Washington, Washington Post copy, and this other copy. Any one of these will, will stop a bullet. I'm kind of using them in case we're attacked. Are people making money off of uh, the Mueller? Oh, report? hell, they are. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's wow. amazing. I mean, that's the beauty. Of American capitalism, and that might be my buy. We're not sure yet. <laughs> uh, so, John Easton, talking about um, contempt, talking about this rat hole where the Democrats seem to be going down. My theory on this is: the more we talk about this nonsense, the less the Democrats can talk about issues that they campaigned on, like health care, drug pricing, infrastructure stuff that they they, they care about, Medicare for all, whatever it is. Um, is my theory right or am I wrong? Yeah, I'm not sure you're right about that. I'd say you're half right about that. But here's the problem. President Trump can't talk about a lot of these things either. Not that he has the discipline to talk about uh, a lot of positive things like a red-hot economy, lowest jobless rate in 49 years, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and even um, you know a decent foreign policy um, place that we're in right now, I think it just it's getting all lost in this back and forth. And the other thing too is, impeachment obviously is a better footing for Republicans than than these contempt issues because when we're arguing about contempt, that Congress and the administration is arguing about contempt, then they're just hurling insults at each other and saying, "No, you're a liar. No, you're a liar." And it's it's just a big uh, going round and round. And I think that looks bad on both parties, but it can look really bad on the president because, I mean, I think people are prone to think that he's a little full of it anyway. Uh, it's an interesting point. Uh, Adam, you know, as you know, I have not read one page of the Mueller report. Uh, no collusion, no obstruction. I kind of, case closed, I got too much other things going on in my life. Uh, but you have read it. Uh, you and Mitt Romney and others have read it, and you seem very moved by it. You you wanted to do, to do a whole segment. Yeah, my idea was that we do like an Oprah Winfrey-style book club. That's kind of why I originally bought all three versions of this. We just blow off the time limits and just go really long. I want to go to page 155, and, but no one really wanted to do that. Right. So uh, is, is the president guilty of something that we don't know about? Well, I, I'm, I'm really, as I look at the Mueller report, and I think other people, uh, hopefully when you read it, what you see is that the, the real problem is the Russians hacked our election, attacked our democracy, and the rest of it is... Well, we already know that. Un- we? We, we did, but now we, we, we've got it in black and white. We've got something that uh, is really important for us to focus on today and going forward. I'm less interested in the back and forth and the, what, what members of Congress on the Democratic side are today calling a constitutional crisis it kind of feels like uh, animal house and dean faber's like then as of this moment they're on double secret probation and jerry nadler's like the time, time has come. come for someone to put his foot down 
And that foot is me. And do you think that, that a lot of the American people out there saying, well, if Jerry Nadler says we're in a constitutional crisis, we must be in one. They just were like, what the hell is double secret probation? <laughs> double secret probation, sir? What's a constitutional crisis? You know, and it's, it's, it's almost to a point where, you know, the movie illusions just keep jumping out. Answer. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And, and, and in the end, uh, the fact that the attorney general uh, who took the Mueller report and said there wasn't any obstruction of justice by the president, who is now himself being brought up on charges of contempt of Congress, which is essentially obstructing the work of, con of Congress. It's an obstruction of the obstruction. It's just absolutely ridiculous. All of this is insane. I think that the problem for the Democrats is... They did not like this president when he got elected. They didn't like him when he got campaigned. They've been looking for an excuse. They are so partisan that, um, you know, there might have been some Republicans who don't like Trump either who might have joined in. Matter of fact, we had um, an interesting moment there where uh, Chairman Richard Burr, have, as, as, as head of the Intelligence Committee, has subpoenaed John, Donald Trump Jr., mm -hmm. which it's interesting he's not running for re-election. Um, but by and large, Republicans are united behind this president, John Easton. Um, I don't necessarily see uh, how the Democrats get any real footing because everyone knows they dislike Trump and they seem very partisan as they're attacking Trump. Right. And although uh, uh, contempt of Congress gets a lot of headlines and I think the Democrats are thinking right now good headlines for them, it yields no action no real action. I mean, even with Eric Holder, with the Republican House held Eric Holder, Attorney General, then Attorney General Holder, in contempt of Congress over the gun program, Fast and Furious, you know, the Obama uh, Justice Department did, said, well, we find that there was uh, no crime that, that we can find that where we would issue a citation for a grand jury. So, I mean, do you think that the Trump administration, Trump Justice Department is going to act any differently? It may go to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia, well, you know, those are Republican-appointed U.S. attorneys. The, uh, that, that's all true, and that's a really important precedent that, that you just brought up uh, from the last administration. And, you know, we're at a place now where if you really dig into the heart of uh, the complaints by the Democrats, it's the assertion of presidential privilege at a point they say uh, that the train's left the station, right? The toothpaste is out of the tube. McGahn already gave the stuff to other people. It's out there. But the heart of it, Really, if you're really reading and paying attention, it's a negotiation that, that goes to how many people in the Democratic part of the caucus in the House and the Senate um, can see the unredacted version. Not really can they. Yes, they can. And they're just negotiating about how many aides get to see it and whether everyone gets to see it or just the high-up leadership. I mean, they're dancing around the head of a pin on this thing, and the Americans have no patience for it. And that. the key here is that they're, they want to get some vision into some grand jury yeah, testimony and and evidence and evidence and i think they want to do that because they want to cause more kind of issues for pro the president this is a fishing expedition isn't it well they i think they want to find obstruction because one thing Mueller did not make more of a definitive statement on mm -hmm. was obstruction now of course he probably overstepped his bounds because pro prosecutors don't sit there and say you're exonerated or you're exonerated either they press charges or bring charges or they don't bring charges right. So he was a little out of his lane there, and and so, but that that gave really what is political catnip to the Democrats. He sort of dangled it out there. Well, I'm not going to really make a ruling on the obstruction, 
So then Democrats just jumped into that vacuum, and that's where we are now. Yeah, so uh, the vested interest for the media, Adam Belmar, and for the Democrats, the Democrats are able to keep their base excited, raise a lot of money from small-dollar donors, <clears throat> and really kind of keep this thing going because the, the, they, the, the left really dislike this president, and this is a way to raise money. And the media, the democratically aligned media, which is most of the media, they get better ratings. Although I would, it's interesting CNN's ratings have just gone down the tubes. But they do get better ratings, more clicks. So there's a vested interest from both the Democrats and the media to kind of keep this story alive. Isn't it? This is the same argument that I made to you before this show. Some of our best shows have been named the Mueller Report. Even well, you, you don't like talking about the Mueller Report. No, you report. said that our best show was about It's the true. I mean, don't you guys know it's true? I look at the ratings. I mean, come on. But um, I, I will say this. The, well, let me the, say that I, that. I find that very persuasive, which is why we're talking about this right now. <laughs> like five minutes before the show, there right. not going to be sure any the, the Democratic media, uh, the mainstream media, the cable news channels, this is just fodder for them. Without it, they wouldn't know where to go. Uh, just today, the president uh, is once again talking about an issue that people do care about, about prescription drug pricing, about medical billing fairness. He had an event in the White House uh, Roosevelt Room. He had folks there. He's got the Secretary of HHS and others. These are issues that Democrats also ran on and found success with in 18. And I don't think that's lost on the president. And so even while we have other things churning in the news cycle, like the negotiations with China over the trade and tariffs, like the capture of a ship from North Korea uh, carrying coal that might put them in violation of sanctions and other things, uh, the, the, the sort of bread and butter democratic issues of health care are, are not being set aside by the president. He's trying to make hay on that as well. Although that's not being covered really by the media. Uh, John Easton, you know, we have this kind of thing in, in Washington now where everyone holds everyone in contempt, mm -hmm. if not legal contempt, actual contempt. Exactly. And, you know, the president is held in deep contempt by almost all Democrats. And the president holds the Democrats. I don't think he necessarily holds the Democrats in contempt, but he certainly holds all their machinations, all their nut, nut cases. And everyone kind of holds the media in contempt. Can we kind of survive as a democracy if no one has any respect for anybody anymore? Yeah, that's a good question. It's it's really uh, a, an extension of this uh, ongoing experiment, the American experiment. Now where you've kind of we're in this ditch of, of contempt. The only thing left is really to hold ourselves in contempt. <laughs> uh, no, but it really is. It's just it's a it's what I like to, to call a cauldron of, of contempt. Like you said, uh, they hate him. He he hates them. In fact, I was just uh, a senator, this a Republican senator this morning said something kind of interesting. He said if a Democrat walks into a room with two bullets in his gun, and there's Stalin, and there's Pol Pot, and there's there's uh, Hitler and there's Trump. The Democrats are going to shoot Trump twice. <laughs> so, I mean, that's yeah. how much they hate him. Yeah. And I think that that is it's coloring a lot. But I, I do feel like that the, this, this contempt that uh, we hold of each other's views or who we support. I mean, what I mean, I mean, it just seems to me that uh, that Americans aren't really listening to each other. They right. just once they learn what you who you support, that's it. It's either they like you or they hold you in contempt, right. and it's a real uh, it's a real problem. We've talked about this kind of discourse, civil discourse, on this show a lot, and I think it's uh, it's completely unpredictable as to where we go from here. Uh, I think a lot of Democrats would argue that as long as this president is in this office in this White House, 
that we're going to continue this this culture of contempt. But it started long before he was in office. Three of us know that. Yeah, it did. Sorry, I think you started started with uh, Bill Clinton mm-hmm. and uh, all they. I mean, everyone. You know, the Monica Lewinsky affair. It was pretty visceral back then. I, I will say this though, Adam, that the level of contempt that the media has for the president and that the president has for the media is really pretty impressive. I mean, they <laughs> really, really dis- dislike each other. But it's also symbiotic because there's no president who's more open to the media yeah. than this president. I mean, Barack Obama wouldn't never meet with these guys one-on-one. He, Trump does it all the time. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a remarkable poker player, and he's getting savvier. A little inside baseball for folks. I spent years covering the White House as a journalist at ABC News, and one of the things that's going on right now in Washington is that the White House Correspondents Association is really up in arms because the White House is changing the calculus that they use to see who can have a hard pass, which basically says you have unfettered access to the open press area of the White House, the Brady press briefing room, the workstations, and the um, live positions out front. And it used to be, and I had one for almost 15 years, uh, that you had to be there working as a journalist like 50% of the days out of the last whatever check they make. But, of course, there hasn't been a press briefing in forever. So doing your job and covering the White House is almost impossible by being there because they're stealing you out. And so they're, 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 the accusation is that the Trump White House is being savvy and trying to cut down all the, the number of people that have access to the White House. And you know what? Part of it's true, and part of it is that it got way too big and way too many people. But this White House is playing a game of they know that the press loves to hate them, and that uh, it's a detente, and they give as good as they get. They, they give as good as they get. Talking about giving and getting, buying and selling, we come to one of our best segments of, of, the, of the whole process. It's a fan favorite, John. That's Everybody it. loves it. Everybody it's called Buy and Sell. It's why they hang on all the way to this segment. And, uh, Adam, I know that you probably have already bought <laughs> several of the <laughs> other reports. What else are you buying today? I'm not... <laughs> I'm not buying. I'm selling. And I'm selling cynical politics. And you might say, okay, haven't that really what you're talking about? But I want to make a, a really fine point about the cynical politics that I'm selling and hope that you two will reject. This week, as we had just two weeks ago, a catastrophic shooting at a school in Colorado. In this case, handguns used by students at the STEM high school out there, uh, heroes, people who went down fighting, saving the lives of their fellow students. And the kids at the STEM high school in Colorado by and large, got up and walked out of a uh, session uh, where mourning and grieving was going on and local politicians arrived and began to exploit it for political gain. That is the kind of thing that tears down genuine interest and love and outreach to people after a tragedy like this. And I say a perfect example of the rejection of cynical politics like this is the fact that the president's secret weapon, Ivanka Trump, quietly was out there. She was scheduled to do something else. She canceled that. She ended up being with these students. That is the kind of outreach and love that this Trump administration is not getting credit for. I think it's important, and it makes me feel a little bit better about what we can do, at least from here, in those moments after a tragedy. Well said. I am going to break precedent, and I'm going to do my own buys and sells right now and then turn it over to John Easton. First, I want to buy Tiger Woods. 
Tiger Woods got the presidential <coughs> uh, freedom medal. Medal of freedom. Medal of freedom. Um, you know, Tiger Woods deserves it. He's one of the most impressive, important golfers in our lifetime. And um, I was happy to see that the President Trump did that for Tiger Woods. And I know that he got some grief for it. But keep in mind that he was not the first golfer to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, Arnold Palmer has, Jack Nicklaus, and Charlie Sifford. Um, so, you know, good for Tiger. And then I want to take one more uh, personal hey, it's your show. You keep, can keep, do that. keep going. Um, Robert Pear, the New York Times reporter, tragically died uh, earlier this week. Um, Robert Pear is one of the best reporters I ever dealt with, a soft-spoken guy. He knew his details on health care. matter of fact, when he called me, I would ask him what was going on because I wanted to get the facts from him. A great reporter, really he will be missed, and uh, I feel uh, sad for the entire New York Times family. And with that, I will turn over to John Easton. Yeah, and just to add to what John just said, I was actually privileged to have worked with him you know, when I was doing communications for Senator Gordon Smith and who was involved a lot in healthcare, so I, I got to work with him. He would call or I would call him. And exactly right. I, I, I would learn more from him. And it was just an absolutely ace reporter and human being. So yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I think I'm going to, for, I don't know if this is a buy or sell, but I'm going to buy a news story that I've read a couple times. So I'm going to, and I'm going to lighten it up just a, a bit because I'm going to take it out to Denver for a wholly different purpose. The city council just decriminalized mushrooms, um, and which is psilocybin, the, the, uh, the substance in mushrooms that um, is a hallucinogenic. And they're going down a, uh, a, a, a medical purpose road, right? Yet, I mean, this is a, it's a highly hallucinogenic stuff. So um, I think that this story has a, uh, a lot left in it, and I don't think they know exactly what they're doing and where they're going. But stay tuned. Um, so if you want to buy, what is it, mushrooms called John Easton, is that what you said? No, you need to head to Denver. <laughs> and apparently it's something you can do a little more legally. I mean, legalizing everything, right? So I think Denver is just figuring we're on the forefront. We're going to legalize mushrooms. There's going to be a lot of people strung out and kind of in a different, yeah. zone, a different zone. A little different Pretty zone. Pretty soon they'll be making LSD okay. What is that? L- yeah. LSD. What's LSD? What does it stand for? Lucy and the Scout Diamonds. (laughs) And with that, we're not going to talk about LSD. We're going to talk about EFB, the Fury Theory broadcast brought to you by EFB. EFB means... Excellent for business. Yeah, baby. (laughs) 